Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome to Futures Focus, a podcast courtesy of Prospects 1500. I'm your host, Alex Sanchez. Joining me per usual today, David Gasper. We got through the trade deadline. How'd you survive it? Uh, with a lot of caffeine and uh, an insane staring at my phone and my laptop and the TV screen. Yeah, as we, I think, both kind of predicted last week, it was insane. I can't remember a trade deadline like this in a long, long time. It was deal after deal after deal after deal. Um, and we are going to go through most, if not all, of those deals that involve prospects, Um we probably won't be talking about the Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval type of what? trades. Oh, man. <laughs> I was going to actually all my prep work for this podcast. <laughs> what a weird trade. But we're going to talk about the prospects that were involved in trades, and there is a load of them. So this is going to essentially feel like a big news and notes section, although we do have a news and notes of the news and notes, I suppose. So we'll go over that. But mainly just to kind of grade the trade, if you will, of all of these, I mean, there were 40, 50 trades that went down within a span of a week. It's just insane. Um, so we are going to go through all of that. Um, so let's just jump into it just for the sake of time. I know, you know, everybody's going to be interested in either, like we said last week, the prospects coming in and the or the prospects that are leaving your team. Um, or in case of Dynasty, if they're getting into a better situation or a worse situation. Um, none of our trades that we predicted came true, um, but uh, I think we were pretty close when I look at over some of the deals that we were pretty close. We'll get into that, but first, let's just get sort of the uh, basics done with the news and notes. Um, Scotty's boy, Blaze Jordan, got promoted today. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, Blaze was off to a blazing start, no pun intended. Well, of course, there was a pun That, that pun was 100% intended. Don't 100% even lie, intended. man. And uh, so he's moving up to low A. Uh, I, he was a guy that I want to like. And so I kind of drafted everywhere because if he makes it, he's going to be so fun to own. But I never really thought that he was going to do this right away. I mean, it was insane at the FCL. Uh, 362 batting average, 12 extra base hits, only striking out 17% of the time. He was off to a huge start. Uh, granted, you know, it was... He, you know, it wasn't his really his first year. It's kind of his second year. Don't forget, he got drafted in 2020. But still, what an impressive debut for Blaze Jordan. So, how close is he to your uh, top 100 now? Is my question to you. Ooh, I don't even know. I I, I haven't even thought about the the top 100 uh, at all this past week. But no, that's it, that's a huge um, start for him, um, and that's someone that really kind of Boston built their draft around uh, in, in 2020. I mean, they, they drafted Nick York in the first round uh, to try to save money uh, to get Blaze Jordan later on. Um, so that's really kind of the the guy that they were looking for. And, I mean, just just massive power. And if, if that hit tool can, can come up enough to where he's effective as a hitter, and, I mean, he's hitting 362 so far in rookie ball, so it makes – uh, it, it makes sense. Um, but if he can keep up, you know, hitting that well, hitting like 300 some with the power that he has, that's a pretty incredible player. 
He's actually number 11 on our Red Sox list on the site. Of course, that's uh, Scotty um, <laughs> doing that list. I, I will put him on the spot without having him on the spot right now. I think that's a little low considering some of the guys that he had ahead of Blaze Jordan, which I'm, if I'm looking at my dynasty team and these guys are all out there, like Nick York, Jay Groom, um, Gilberto Jimenez, I think I would take Blaze ahead of all of them. And he's creeping up to my hundred as well. I don't know if he's close to uh, breaking it quite yet. I think maybe 130 or 140 range, but I think that's pretty high for a guy that probably wasn't even on anybody's top 200 list uh, going into this season, I'd imagine. So, um, He's a big riser this year, I think. And I, I, he's a guy kind of like Jason Dominguez that if he does well, the hype's just going to build and build with him because he's already had he's had hype his whole life, you know, since he was a sophomore in high school because of uh, his YouTube sensation. Yeah. But um, interesting. All right. Fair enough. Um, we have a call up today. Not a huge one, but a guy that is very interesting in terms of dynasty that um, – I was able to snag in a couple of leagues a year ago, um, Luis Gill. He's a Yankees hurler. He is getting called up. Uh, it hasn't been official yet, but he is going to be called up. I imagine that he'll probably be um, a bullpen guy if he does stick. I think he's kind of trying to, uh, they're trying him out as a spot start. But uh, this guy throws gas and, you know, you, you like those guys when they come up and if they're throwing strikes and throwing that hard, success will often fall, especially in a bullpen role. So um, any thoughts on Luis Gill and his promotion? Yeah, I mean, that's someone that uh, another kind of one of those higher Yankees pitching prospects. Um, and the Yankees do need some help uh, with their with their pitching staff. And, yeah, I don't know if his future is going to end up being in the rotation, but I mean, he's got uh, a Big fastball, uh, getting into the upper 90s, really good slider, and, and you can have a, that fastball-slider combo work pretty well out of the bullpen for for quite a while, as long as he can get that command a little bit in shape and and make sure that that's uh, a little bit stronger, then he'll have, a, he'll have a pretty solid career. Yeah, I can see him kind of maybe having that spot start over the weekend, getting put in the bullpen, um, and just striking out a grip, and you know, the command and control in the bullpen doesn't matter nearly as much as a starter and maybe he learns on the job a little bit and kind of flourishes and develops into a starter down the line so a guy that is again he's gonna help you I think pretty immediately in terms of dynasty leagues and uh, the future is really bright for him a couple other guys with um I guess starting debuts is how I'll word it. And that was Reed Detmers and Chris Rodriguez both started for the Angels. Just ecstatic to see this. Um, I was a little surprised Detmers got that call, the call early. I thought he definitely would get the call this year based on what he was doing this year. But um, the Angels just kind of said, screw it. <laughs> we need pitching and let's see who we got. And they're finally doing what I've wanted since the beginning. That's putting C-Rod back in the rotation. C-Rod looked pretty good. Um, he went six plus. Uh, he kind of—I was very surprised he actually made that many innings. I thought he would probably go four or five. They—they they sent him out to the seventh inning where he gave up a couple runs. Well, actually, the bullpen gave up his runs. But um, ultimately, if you take that away, which he probably should have been sent out, it was a six-inning performance with seven strikeouts, two earned runs. So I love Chris Rodriguez. I think that he is such a good buy-low candidate. Um, 
well, maybe not as much as it was a few months ago when he was in the bullpen or getting sent down. But, man, that guy's going to be a, a stud starter going forward. And then Detmers, of course, didn't have the greatest debut. Um, but uh, what were your thoughts on on bringing Detmers up this quickly? Yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised it was this quickly. He only had the, the one start in AAA. It went well. I mean, six innings, nine strikeouts, only three hits, no runs. Um, so... That was good. I didn't think they'd call him up immediately afterwards. Um, but, yeah, his his first start didn't go that great. Four and a third. Um, gave up six hits, a couple of homers, only two strikeouts. Um, so, not the greatest debut for him. Um, but, you know, that, that's someone that, when they drafted him in 2020, he was thought of as a quick riser, someone who can move through that system quickly and help them out possibly in 2021 or at the very least 2022. Um, So they brought him up and and he's uh, already on the roster. So we'll see if he uh, ends up going up and down for the remainder of the year or if they keep him up. Um, But that's someone that, you know, can be a mainstay in that rotation for the Angels uh, for the next several years, they got plenty of uh, new pitching prospects they've added to their system uh, because they're pretty, uh, pretty short on them outside of Detmers and Rodriguez. So that's it's an area of need. And that's what uh, they got in the draft. And that's what uh, Detmers is hopefully going to provide uh, in the meantime at the big league level. Yeah. And as a college pitcher, I have no problem just keeping them in the rotation, take the lumps this year. The, I mean, let's be honest, the Angels probably aren't doing much this year, but if they can get some good experience for those two and, and they can kind of anchor a rotation, I'm not saying lead a rotation in terms of a one or a two, but being guys that they can re- rely on for next year, then they, they might have something. So keep Detmers up, uh, Anaheim. Uh, another guy that I was very, very high on coming into the year uh, actually had an injury for uh, uh, and he will be out for the remainder of the se- season. That's D.L. Hall, the lefty for the Orioles. I was disappointed to hear this. He had made it all the way up to Double A, but had been out for a while. And uh, they're calling it a stress reaction in his elbow. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but he is being shut down for the rest of the year. Um, nothing much to analyze there. Just a, a friendly reminder that you can invest in your pitching prospect, but this will happen for a lot of them. Um, but especially when you have a pitcher named DL. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that should have been the first red flag. That was, you knew he was going to go on at some point. So um, hopefully that, you know, this is an extreme abundance of caution and that he'll be ready to go for next year because I, he has some of the best stuff for a lefty in the entire minor leagues. So, um, Oh, and then I forgot to mention too, if we, uh, I, I know we moved on from the Angels and he's not really a prospect, but I felt that we probably should mention how uh, Joe Adele is being promoted as well to the big league. So don't need to spend a huge time on that. Just friendly reminder that Joe Adele was considered to be a top five prospect not too long ago. Um, other than that, a couple of guys are back um, in action here. Uh, Hunter Bishop, my boy, is back. Uh, so that's good to see. Marco Luciano is back. Uh, Emerson Hancock, they were all dealing with injuries of various sorts, and they are back into action. So those are some names that I, I'm really high on all three of those guys. So I thought it was a good thing to mention. So anyway, let's go ahead and uh, we're, we'll take a break right now. 
And then when we come back, we're going to do a grade the trade section to end all grade the trade sections. We're going to go over as many as we possibly can and see how your team did. So stay tuned. Again, this is Futures Focus podcast. We'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. David Gasper joining me. I am Alex Sanchez. This is Futures Focus. This is a podcast courtesy of Prospects 1500. And we are in our grade the trade section. We have loads to go over. Nothing else to introduce now. Let's just get right into it. Uh, my question to you, David, and I like how you always seem to have the your head on straight and you make good decisions. Do we want to start with the trades that happened at the end of the deadline or sort of build up with the ones that happened earlier in the deadline? Let's, let's build up with the ones earlier, kind of start with the ones that maybe, you know, we've forgotten about a little bit and then sure. uh, we can get to the ones that are pretty fresh and fresh in everyone's heads. Okay. Uh, let's see. July 26th had that Adam Frazier trade. I think we had talked about that. So we don't need to go that far back. Um, Let's see here. So July 28th. There's a there's lots of minor ones. <laughs> yeah. Kendall um, Graveman. Yeah. Montero for Toro. Yeah, I was looking at that. Let's start with this one here. Uh, the A's acquire Starling Marte in exchange for Jesus Lazardo. So Lazardo, not really a prospect. Um, in terms of what we, you know, our rookie rankings and everything like that. But this trade is fascinating to me. Um, I'll let you go ahead and start with your analysis, and then I'll kick in any thoughts that I have in addition to this. So, Starling Marte for Jesus Lazardo. What do you think? Yeah, this this is something that I think only happens if the Oakland A's are down a little bit on Jesus Lazardo. I mean, good on Kim Ang, uh, the GM of the Marlins, for getting – uh, such a high upside arm in return for a rental, really, in Starling Marte. Um, I mean, th this is someone that can really kind of help out that pitching depth and, and, and that rotation that the Marlins are building. Uh, they got a really young group, really talented group uh, of starters there that if they can just keep healthy, uh, can can be really strong going forward. Um, so Lozardo's, I, I think, a really great get for, for a rental outfielder. I mean, Starling Marte is a really good player. And he's going to help out the Oakland A's, um, you know, even though they got Ramon Laureano in center field, you know, Marte is going to kind of go in there and, and he provides uh, a whole lot for that team. Um, but, you know, if, if Oakland's down a little bit on Lazardo, whether, you know, it be health or production or, or whatever, um, but, you know, he's got the big stuff to, to be a stud starter. And perhaps the A's aren't the best team to get that out of him. Uh, and perhaps the Marlins will be the better team to to get that out of them. So, you know, I, I think this this might improve 
uh, Lazardo's status as a as a fantasy player, as a real life player going forward. Um, and I think it's a really good get for the Marlins. Yeah, I think the Marlins, uh, you have to do this for a rental, like you said, for Starling Marte. And I like him going to this organization because the pressure to be that ace isn't necessarily there. And I think that in Oakland, from the get-go, it was like, you are a future ace, you have to be that. And that, I mean, that could be a lot of pressure on a young player. Because when you look at the Miami Marlins, you have Max Meyer, Sixto Sanchez, Edward Cabrera, Jake Etter, to go along with Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez already up in the big leagues. That's a great young pitching staff that they're it's it's just kind of like everybody just goes out there similar to your brewers you know i mean uh you have ace 1a ace 1b and ace 1c yeah. i can see the marlins sort of doing that as well and then all of a sudden jesus can kind of just uh, ease his way into that starting rotation so for for me it's a it's an easy a for the marlins with that being said this is one of the rare times where i don't mind the Athletics doing what they're doing here because Starling Marte really does improve their team in a high level. I actually went to his debut on Saturday when uh, the Angels were playing the Athletics and I saw him out there. I mean, he just extends that lineup. He brings some uh, great defense to center and gets to, you know, Loriano is great in of himself, gets to be out there with him. That's a great piece of defense out in the outfield. So I think it makes the A's a lot better. I think that. Um, they probably gave up a tad too much. So for me, I would give them a, a B for the A's and an A for the Marlins. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's pretty fair. I, I'd probably go the same thing, B for the A's and A for the Marlins. Yeah, well done, Marlins. I'm, I'm as a Braves fan, I'm not happy about the future there. <laughs> but um, anyway, all right, let's go on to um, this one's interesting because you will be a, a huge expert on that. And that is the Brewers acquiring Eduardo Escobar from the D-backs in exchange for Cooper Hummel and Alberto Ciprian. I might be pronouncing those wrong. I'm sure you'll look. No, nope, you're good. You're good. Oh, excellent. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll let you, uh, you're going to lead with this one as well, because I don't know much about those two prospects. So uh, what were your thoughts on this deal for your Brewers? I thought this was a fantastic deal for the Brewers. I mean, Eduardo Escobar was one of the best uh, rental bats available uh, at the deadline outside of, you know, the the superstars like the Rizzos, the Bryants, and, you know, Sterling Marte. But, I mean, when it comes to what the Brewers needed, it was pretty much exactly what Eduardo Escobar brings. You know, he brings power. Uh, he's a switch hitter, can play third base, um, can play second, can play some outfield. They were even putting him at first a little bit uh, to help out there. Uh, so he kind of really brings all that they need, brings energy uh, on the field and really great clubhouse guy. And really, they did not give up much of anything at all to get him. I mean, he, he's got a $7 million salary for the season. I think the Brewers have to cover the final like $2.5 million on that for the remainder of the season. And... To get such a you know such a bat that was really kind of expected to be on the market all along and was almost traded a month ago to the White Sox, uh, they only gave up Cooper Hummel, who was a fringe top 50 guy for me, and Alberto Ciprian, who's 18 years old. They signed him out of Venezuela in 2019 as part of that vaunted uh, 2019 international class for the Brewers. They signed him for 500,000. Uh, Ciprian could end up being the steal of this deal. 
I mean, we, we could look five years down the road, and Cyprian could be like a really good prospect, and, and he could end up being a really good big league player. He was hitting pretty well in the Dominican Summer League, but he's very raw. He He's 18 years old. He's, he's a very young player. There's a chance that he turns into a, a really good big leaguer. There's a chance that he that he doesn't really make it too much above rookie ball. Um, so we'll kind of see where it ends up going there. Cyprian I didn't have on my top 50. That might have been an oversight by me. Uh, that might have just been, you know, not looking at what his potential could be. But he's got some potential, but it's still very far away. The Brewers have, you know, lots of other international guys from that class and, and you know, lots of other guys down at, in those levels um, that, that can provide a, a huge ceiling. So it really didn't cost the Brewers much at all uh, to get Eduardo Escobar to help them out with this push. So what were your final grades before I kind of add on to that? Yeah, I, I'd give this grade really a, an A for the Brewers for sure. And maybe maybe a C for the Diamondbacks. I mean, really, like, I'm surprised they could not get more so, for Eduardo Escobar. They could not get a top 30, top 40 Brewers prospect for Eduardo Escobar, one, one of the top rental bats on the market. I mean, yeah. I know rentals don't cost as much as they used to, but... I mean, these are really kind of not super heralded prospects. And, you know, for for one of the the bigger bats on the market to help out a team, I'm really surprised that they could not get more from a system that really isn't too deep in high-end talent. You know, like you you could have gotten a a top 30 guy, and it might have been somewhat equivalent to, um, you know, some – something smaller in uh, other systems. Yeah, that's what I wanted to point out here. And I'm kind of glad that you uh, led me into this is that Ed, uh, Escobar seemed like such a good fit for the Brewers um, in part, perhaps that he didn't really fit for a lot of other teams. I think that he's a flawed hitter in a lot of ways and teams that were looking for an upgrade in their offense saw some names that had a little higher ceiling like a Rizzo or Gallo, as we'll get into and for a team like the Brewers, they were clearly in need of offensive help. And for, for the Brewers, like he bumps up your lineup right away. But for a lot of teams, I don't think that they viewed Escobar very much as an improvement over what they had and perhaps why the Diamondbacks couldn't get anything. Because obviously, the Diamondbacks have been trying to sell off Escobar for weeks now. And so mm-hmm. this signals to me that that's this is the best they could get. I, I don't imagine a lot of teams are willing to give up a, a too much. So that's why I'm glad you didn't say an F for the Diamondbacks, because, yeah, if you just look at the deal, it looks bad. But when you kind of take it into context, I feel like this is the best they could have done. And what were they supposed to do? They can't keep him. He would have accepted a qualifying offer. So this is, you know, this is what you have to do, I guess. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. else are you going to do as a Diamondback? So I don't want to. Uh, roast them too much but again essentially i you know maybe instead of getting two then you get a little you get one that's a little bit higher although cyprian sounds interesting based on what i've read up on him um and yeah uh, he he's yeah. interesting but like i said very raw um he was, he was putting up some solid numbers in the dsl but it is the dsl i mean those can only you know you have plenty of guys that hit well down there and, and don't do well in you know other levels of the minors. Um, and, and also, I just kind of want to point out, Cooper Hummel is Rule 5 eligible this offseason. So, you know, he's someone who wasn't really going to be getting a, a 40-man spot in Milwaukee. And he's someone that could probably get um, and fight for a utility spot and, and be on that 40-man and, and possibly be on the big league roster for the Diamondbacks as they kind of figure out 
um, what they're going to do with their infield going forward. So he's someone that could get a shot fairly soon um, at, at the big league level. Uh, he, he was doing pretty well in AAA, had an OPS over 900. Um, so he's he's a solid hitting prospect, doesn't have too much power, doesn't really have a solidified position, um, but he's someone that, that can you know make solid contact with the baseball and, and get on base. Um, yeah, uh, I'm glad we have you on to go over those because, um, those are two names that I, I was not too familiar with prior to the trade. Um, and then also this is random, but I, I, it has been bugging me since I said it, cause I said Sandy Alcantara and, uh, that's kind of a pet peeve for me because I know it's Sandy Alcantara and I mispronounced it and I hate when I mispronounce names that I would correct other people. So <laughs> I just wanted to mention that moving on. This one is exciting because we were talking about, um, uh, well, we were we didn't get to it, but we wanted to talk about Gallo. Um, we kind of predicted that Gallo might get dealt to the Giants. The Giants ended up going with Chris Bryant instead, and we'll get to that. Joey Gallo goes to the Yankees, along with Jolie Rodriguez and Cash from the Rangers, in exchange for Ezekiel Duran, a second baseman. Um, actually, they're all pretty much second basemen, even if you see SS next to them. They're... <laughs> They're all essentially, it's my dogs. <laughs> They're, hey, making appearance, dogs. We're not going to edit that out. The dogs didn't like this trade, as we were going to agree with them. Uh, <laughs> Josh Smith, Trevor Hauver, um, and Glenn Otto come back. Um, I'll go ahead and lead off with this one and then get your thoughts to fill it out. Um, I thought this was extremely light for Joey Gallo, who I'm a big, big fan of. I think he is extremely valuable to a team, um, not only because of the power, obviously, but he gets on base a lot. He provides a presence and he plays great defense. Uh, he's just going to be an amazing <laughs> fit, especially for the New York Yankees. And to not get a, a higher end prospect from the Yankees here is uh, is really disappointing if you're a Rangers fan. To be fair, Ezekiel Duran is solid. I think that uh, the power with him is very intriguing. I think the other two... Josh Smith and Trevor Halver, you're going to look at them and say, yeah, great. These guys are doing really, really well. Um, but their ceilings are just so capped. They're not going to provide power. They're going to be, you know, David Fletcher type of players, which, you know, if they reach that ceiling, that's one thing in of itself. But second, if that's the ceiling you're going for, you know, I just don't know if it's it's worth it. Plus, they only got one pitching prospect back and it's kind of a throw in if if anything, in Glenn Otto. Um, and I would have liked them to at least try to get, you know, Diego Garcia or, like we said, Luis Gill, Mendina, somebody like that. Maybe it wasn't available. Of course, we'll never really know. But try to maybe center it around instead of three infield prospects that are all essentially not good enough to play shortstop at the big league level, that you try to maybe get one and then fill in a pitching prospect um, to go with that. So, uh, like, Peraza, I mean, would have been just a no-brainer. I'm, I'm guessing that he probably wasn't available um, and that mm -hmm. the Yankees are very high on him. But uh, to me, this is a clear A-plus for the Yankees, probably the one of the best deals um, of the trade deadline. And for me, it's I'm just going to go out and say it's an F, well, a D-minus. It's not quite an, an F because I do think that these guys can all make it, which is something. Um, and you don't see that a lot of times with these trade deadline deals, but... They're just the ceilings are just not quite there unless, uh, you know, you have a big ceiling for Duran. But uh, I'll give him a D minus for the Rangers. So anything you'd like to add on to that? 
Yeah, I think when it comes to some of these trade packages, it's, you know, when you want the returns when you're a seller, what do you want, quality or quantity? The Rangers chose quantity. They, they chose to get four players in return, albeit of lesser ceilings, rather than going for perhaps only two players, but with higher ceilings. Now we'll get to it a bit later, but like the Jose Barrios trade is an example of going for the quality versus the quantity. Um, and, you know, the, the Rangers went a different route. They went with the quantity, uh, going with a little bit lower guys with Duran, Smith, Hover, and Otto. And like, yeah, they could turn out to be, you know, somewhat decent players, but no one with any real star potential, no one with all-star potential like Joey Gallo has, because uh, he is an all-star. So from that perspective, it really kind of doesn't make, or at least for me, it, I don't think it makes that much sense. I think for the Rangers, I, I think it would have been better to go for uh, quality. Um, that's just that's just my perspective, but um, that's yeah, I, it's definitely an A for the Yankees. Uh, they didn't have to give up any of their top prospects to get arguably the best bat and certainly the best controllable bat uh, that was available uh, on the market outside of obviously Trey Turner. Um, but it's it's a huge win for the Yankees who get exactly what they needed in left-handed power in the middle of the lineup. Although Joey Gallo did have to shave his beard, so we did lose that. So that's an F for the world, um, but an A for the Yankees. And and I I, I think a D uh, at best for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, quantity is it's doable, I suppose. And and the Rangers don't have the best system. It's not the worst either. But, yeah, I think for a guy like Gallo, you want to have uh, – who's a fan favorite, assuredly, in Texas, right? I mean, everybody loves Gallo. Oh, yeah. You're not a Rangers fan. So get somebody to headline it. Again, um, we'll never know what was you know off the table and, and whatnot. But still, I, I think we're on the same page there. Let's continue on with the Yankees because they also got – Anthony Rizzo, and I was kind of surprised to see this, but uh, the Yankees did acquire Anthony Rizzo in exchange for Alexander Vizcaino and outfielder Kevin Alcantara. I think it's Alcantara, this one, instead of Alcantara, because of the accent mark on the Alcantara, but I might be mispronouncing that as well. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. But um, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, yeah, good. He was in our trade negotiations uh, last week, so you didn't want to give him up, but the Yankees did. The Yankees did give him up. For Anthony Rizzo. Now, to me, almost, honestly, because Rizzo was a free agent, so this is a rental. This is almost as good as what they got for Gallo um, or what they gave up for Gallo, in my opinion. I, I'm pretty high on Vizcaino. I know he's been injured, but the ceiling for him is just huge. And then uh, Alcantara is interesting in of itself, just as interesting as any of those other ones. So, yeah, they didn't get the quantity um, like the Rangers did, but they got, to me, higher ceiling guys so uh to me actually it's probably a little bit too much to give up for anthony rizzo who i don't even know that they actually needed i th i don't know what are your yeah. thoughts do you think they needed rizzo i mean not necessarily I, I was pretty surprised when i heard that's where he was going i mean they needed left-handed power for sure and they got gallo um then they wanted rizzo as well um so i mean that those are two big left-handed power bats that i mean they really kind of needed their right-handed heavy lineup uh, but, I mean, when it comes to first base, I mean, they have Luke Voigt that reports where they were trying to trade after they got Rizzo 
and they weren't able to send them anywhere, presumably because they lost all leverage. As soon as everyone else knew, it was like, oh, well, you got to get rid of them. Like, well, we'll take them for pretty much nothing. Um, so they probably weren't able to get what they wanted for Void. So he ended up staying put. Now you got a bit of a positional logjam there at first base, although Rizzo's going to play every single day. But you got a lot of other guys that are deserving of playing time that aren't going to be getting it. Um, but for the Cub, for the Cubs, you know, it's really kind of a, you know, making the best of, of a bad situation. I mean, those are two pretty solid prospects that head into, you know, their top 12. Maybe both are in their top 10, uh, depending on, you know, who's doing the ranking um, with Vizcano and Alcantara. But, yeah, there's the, that's a pretty solid return. I mean, those guys are pretty far away from the big leagues, and the Cubs are kind of resetting as, as they tear everything down. Um, and, you know, a lot of the guys that they got in these trades were, were fairly far away uh, from the big leagues. But, you know, they've um, the, the Cubs did pretty well here uh, oh, yeah. when it comes to trading Rizzo. I think they did fantastic. I'd give them an A for this. Um, and then I'm going to get complicated because when you talk about the Yankees, I think if this is the only trade they had done, it would have been more like a C to a C minus. But when you consider the fact that they're able to add Rizzo, Gallo, and Andrew Heaney without giving up Dominguez, without giving up uh, Luis Gill, without giving up Peraza, Austin Wells, Volpe. Um, really any of their top like, yeah, seven or eight. It's pretty insane yeah. to do. So with that, it bumps it up to me for a B. Um, I do have Paul Wooden's Yankees list here, which... For better or for worse, it was released before the trades. So what that does allow us to do is see where these were ranked. And this just solidifies what we were saying earlier. Okay, so he had uh, Vizcaino at 10, the highest ranked of all of those guys we've mentioned, Alcantara at 12. So those are already higher than what the Rangers gave uh, or what the Rangers got for Gallo because he had Josh Smith at 14, Duran at 15, and then, um, however, all the way down at 22, and Glenn Otto at 23. So the, Yan- the Yankees gave up more for Rizzo in terms of the higher-end prospects, although they gave up, obviously, more prospects in quantity. But uh, if I'm choosing, I'd rather have the Cubs deal. I think the Cubs did great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, really with, with the, the rest of their trades, as they kind of tore down uh, everything there in Chicago, uh, they also did pretty well there. Yeah, we'll get back uh, We'll get back into the Cubs as well, obviously, as we move forward. Um, yeah, so agreed. I think with all that being said, the Yankees did very well, the Cubs did very well, and the Rangers did not so well. <laughs> um, all right, let's continue moving on. There was one here that I wanted to mention. Um, since I'm the Padres guy, I, I know about this one quite a bit. It's the Daniel Hudson trade, who was injured, um, but still got dealt in exchange for Mason Thompson, a right-hander, and one of my favorites, shortstop Jordy Barley. Um, so I'll just quickly go on this, and then you can maybe add on anything, because um, I'm sure you weren't too familiar with these two, but they were both on my top 50. Again, that's not saying too much, but um, I actually had Barley pretty high. I think he had made it into the 20s for me, um, just because he has so many, uh, so much tools in the toolkit that I was very, very excited to see um, if he could reach his potential. Um, he makes a lot of mistakes, and his hit tool is not there yet. But he had, I think, he was up to 34. 
34, 35 stolen bases. Um, he's electric. I thought this was a great get for the Nationals there. And then you also get Mason Thompson, who to me is a bullpen guy probably in the long term. Um, but he's going to be nasty in the, the bullpen with the potential of maybe even going to the, you know, who knows when he changes organizations. So he definitely has a clear path to the big leagues here. I think this is too much to give up for Daniel Hudson, but I think the Padres have made it a pattern of giving up just a little bit more than they need to get guys that uh, will just make this run in the next year or two uh, a reality for them. So uh, I don't know how much Daniel Hudson is going to help them. He's nasty, I, I guess, uh, for sure. But um, I don't know. I would. Hey, he got the final out of that uh, World Series. Uh, he was yeah. closer for their Nationals World Series run. So that's big experience to add. Yeah, for me, I would give this um, an A for the Nationals and probably a, a C for the Padres, just because, I mean, Hudson will help them out, but I think you could have got him for a lot less than um, what they gave up. But um, there you go. Anyway, we'll move on from that just because that's my my organization I happen to know quite a bit. We, we'll get back to the big ones here um, next. All right, so let's go with... Um, as I move up, there's so many to get <laughs> to kind of sort through here. I'm trying to get the big ones, then we can go to the other ones. Um, another Padres one. There's the Eddie Rosario from Pablo Sandoval blockbuster. Um, let's go to the big ones next. All right. Um, Gosh, where are the big ones? There's so my God, I can't believe how many I I forgot about all of these. Any, <laughs> all right, let's talk about this one here. Uh, the Phillies acquire Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Hans Kraus, and cash from the Rangers in exchange for Spencer Howard, Kevin Gowdy, and Josh Gesner. Really, not much to talk about in terms of the other prospect in the deal, but Spencer Howard is interesting. The Phillies were clearly never really going to give Spencer Howard a fair shake in Philadelphia for whatever reason. I always liked Spencer Howard, but uh, they do get Kyle Gibson and Ian Kennedy and a decent prospect really in Hans Kraus as well. So what did you think of this deal um, with Spencer Howard going over to Texas? Yeah, that was very interesting that the Rangers kicked in a prospect of their own um, to, to make this deal happen. I mean, all, all right-handed pitchers, you know, Howard is someone who, you know, he had such hype, you know, coming up through the system. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, never really was getting a fair shake um, for for the rotation, for, for his chances there for Philadelphia. Uh, whether the Phillies, you know, became low on him, uh, they thought he wasn't going to be what, what all the hype was. Um, it seemed like they were ready to kind of move on from him and, and try to sell while his value was still somewhat high. Um, and that's what they end up doing here. Got a couple other little bit lower pitching prospects. Uh, in order to get some help for that rotation, for that bullpen, uh, and perhaps a guy going forward. So I, I think really the the Phillies did pretty well here, um, and, and the Rangers. You know, you know Howard. Yeah, like, yeah, he's he's the big name, but there might be a reason the the Phillies were so willing to to deal him away. You know, so I, I think this is definitely a, a really good deal um, for. For the Phillies, I'll say probably a B uh, for both of them in this deal. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with your grades. I think I'm getting there at a little different angle. I think that this is very similar to the Jesus Lazardo, where, you know, clearly the team was down on them uh, on these pitching prospects that they 
clearly had high hopes for and that a change of scenery might do wonders. And this is the type of guy that the Rangers need to go out and get because they can go up and let him do what Spencer Howard can do um, down in Texas in a lost season now. So I think that's a great get. Um, I don't know why the Phillies are getting these guys. I mean, are these guys really going to push them into the like World Series contention? I mean, Kyle Gibson's fine, I guess. And you know, can anybody feel like they have so many bigger holes in that um, on that team than those two guys. And I, I will never trust Ian Kennedy. I don't care what you tell me <laughs> with his numbers. I'm never going to trust him. Um, but uh, there you go. So I, I agree. I think that the Phillies made a good deal. I don't know if I would have given up Spencer Howard. I'll probably give that Phillies a C and then I'll stick, stick with your B for the, the Rangers. So let's yeah, get to the, the Phillies needed to do something. You know, yeah. like everything was yeah. kind of going around. The Phillies were late to to making some deals. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe it was a bit more of a, of a panic move or whatever. Yeah. Just like, we need to do something. So we'll, we'll get these guys. Yeah. And they got them, but I just, I think they could have gotten them without Spencer Howard. I mean, I guess their system's pretty thin, but clearly yeah. they were and down. Dave on Dombrowski them. runs that organization now. Yeah. And he, you know, he didn't, draft spencer howard or anything so he was like oh and when has he ever cared about hoarding prospects no so (laughs) agreed all right let's go ahead and get to the blockbusters now dodgers acquire right-hand pitcher max scherzer shortstop Trey turn is so depressing from the nationals in exchange for kiebert ruiz catching prospect right-handed pitcher josiah gray right-handed pitching prospect gerardo carrillo and outfielder donovan casey um, I mean, part of me is happy that the, <laughs> the Nationals did this because Trey Turner absolutely murdered the Braves every time they played. Uh, I can't see why they did it. This doesn't seem like it would have been enough for just Trey Turner, in my opinion, who I think is a top five talent in the sport that you get for this year and next year and probably will resign because you're the Dodgers. So what the what the hell, Nationals? Um, Keybert Ruiz is a stud catching prospect. There's no doubt about it. I, I, for dynasty leagues, he never ranked highly for me because he was a catching prospect. I know in real life lists, you'll see him a lot higher. Um, Josiah Gray, I know Nate loves him and, and had him number one. We've talked about him a lot. He's definitely convinced me that he is going to be um, a really, really good pitcher. But after, that's it. <laughs> what the hell? That's it. The other two are, are lotto tickets at best for me. I know Nate was was talking him up a little bit, but this is an F for the Nationals and an A plus plus for the Dodgers. Yeah, and, and an F for the rest of baseball. I mean, yeah. this is something that. I mean, when, when this trade went down, really, I think like the rest of the league, like pretty much everything else went quiet for the rest of the night there on the on the 29th, and it's just like everyone's just kind of in shock. It's like. Oh my God, the Dodgers are getting those two for that. Like, like what, like what's even the, the point in, in trying now, you know, and luckily that, you know, those feelings subsided by the next morning as you know, things went hot and heavy. Uh, but yeah, I thought they definitely could have gotten a lot more, especially if you're packaging trade Turner along with Scherzer. I mean, if you're trading Scherzer and it costs that, okay, that, I think that's fair. Uh, but when you include a year and a half of Trey Turner, who the Dodgers don't really even need, like they have Corey Seager, 
Yeah. And Facebook I don't know if they anyway, feel though. like they can't sign Corey Seager this, this off season. Like if they feel he's going to leave, I don't know if they do, but why would you get a stud shortstop when you already have a stud shortstop that, I mean, unless they feel that they're not going to be able to resign Seager, uh, yeah, but you could like, put Turner in center. Like he's he can be an outfielder too. Well, yeah, but you also, you already got plenty of guys out there that that have been great in center. Sure, you know, but like it, it's just like it, it makes the Dodgers better. But also, it's like did did they really need this? Well, you no, can't. Be but, I mean, what, when you, when you can get it for this kind of prospect, Tom, I mean, yeah, jo- like Josiah Gray and, and Kiba Ruiz. I mean, Kiba Ruiz is not going to have any part of the future for the Dodgers. They got Will Smith. Ruiz is just about ready uh, for the big leagues, and there's there's no spot for him in no. Los Angeles, so it makes sense to trade him. Josiah Gray, when everyone's healthy in that uh, Dodgers rotation, there's not really going to be a spot for Gray, so it makes sense to trade him. Um, but then getting two kind of other lottery tickets, uh, as you mentioned, for them, it's like I'd have rather seen a third kind of big-name prospect, maybe try and go for a Cody Hosey, or a Michael Bush, or a Bobby Miller, or, or something yeah. like that, uh, to really kind of try to boost the the quality there over just kind of getting two guys who aren't as good versus getting one more guy who's really good. This is how it went down. They said the Dodgers called up the Nationals and said, hey, we, we, we need Scherzer. Scherzer had already, you know, vetoed trades to some other teams. I heard he didn't, I heard he vetoed the trade to the Padres. I don't know if that's true or not, but the national said, fine, we'll trade him to you. We want Ruiz. And the Dodgers said, yeah, that sounds, sounds reasonable. Um, and then the national said, we also want Josiah Gray too, in this deal. And the Dodgers said, yeah, okay. Only if you include Trey Turner. And they're like, all right. And that was it. <laughs> I think it was a little bit more than that, but uh Yeah. That's, I can't. I'm so pissed at this trade. I'm so pissed. yeah. Me and too. I, I get what you're saying about you don't need Turner, but again, you have Justin Turner at third, who can't play every day, especially like next year. You can't. He can't play every day. So you throw Turner at or Lux at third, and you put Turner at second. You give um, Pollock's not the healthiest out there in the outfield. Turner can obviously play anywhere in the outfield. Um, I mean. You, you just can't turn down Trey Turner. He's a top five. He does everything so well. Real life. Oh, yeah. Thing. Like, I, I'm not faulting the Dodgers for, for getting him. Um, you know, it seems odd, but it's like if he's available and it doesn't really cost you that much. I mean, yeah, it's two top 100 prospects. But, I mean, that's, I mean, for them, I mean, especially with their system, that's really not much. And it's not taking much away from their future at all. Um, so it's, it's a fantastic deal for the Dodgers and it's annoying for the rest of the league who is tired of seeing the Dodgers just kind of dominating all the time. And, you know, they won the world series last year and, you know, they, they've had, you know, previous failures in the postseason, but they've all, they've been dominating the regular season for a decade plus now, uh, out there in the NL West. So it's just kind of tiresome to everyone else. And it's like, Oh, great. Now they got these guys. Um, and they were showing and, in their armor, you know, they were they were not strong as they had been in the past this year. And now it's like, oh, well, <laughs> there they go. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a few games behind the Giants. And, you know, after they made that move, the Giants had to, you know, <laughs> do something. They had been quiet up until that point. Um, and the Padres, everyone was kind of expecting afterwards to, 
to do something big. And I know they kind of didn't uh, as much um, do anything big after this uh, Scherzer deal, but um, it's, yeah, definitely an F for the Nationals. I mean, they get two top 100 prospects. Ruiz is probably going to be their catcher of the future. Josiah Gray can be a big piece in their rotation going forward. Um, and, and it improves like the, the overall rank of that farm system because that Nationals farm system was the worst in the league by far. Yeah. Um, and and th- this improves their system. Um, but for what they gave up, it should have been improved a whole lot more than what it was. Absolutely. Let me ask you this. Who would you rather have, a year and a half of Trey Turner or a year and a half of Jose Barrios? Ooh. I mean, I suppose it depends on what my needs are for my yeah. team. Vacuum, um, vacuum, right? I mean. Yeah, but theoretically, I'd, I'd probably say year and a half of Trey Turner because, I mean, for bats, it's generally more consistent. Um, for pitchers, really kind of, you know, one arm injury can can derail uh, everything. Um, and, you know, there, it's just can kind of be so inconsistent. You're only playing once every five days, whereas Turner can be out there every single day. Yeah. Yeah. To, I thought that was a softball question. I thought is no doubt Turner, but interesting to think about it. So fair enough. But then let me ask you this. Who would you rather have Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richard, uh, Richardson or Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray? Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. Okay, so something's wrong there, right? It's yeah. like they gave a better player and got worse of a return, plus had to give Max Scherzer as well. Like that exercise doesn't yeah. even include the fact that you get one of the best starters, again, for a half of a year, but still one of the best starters in the game. That doesn't yeah. make sense. The best, one of the best big game starters with, you know, incredible experience in the postseason. Yeah. So I, I just... I don't know why you have to include them in both together. Like just trade Scherzer to the Dodgers and get Ruiz or Gray or even Hosey or Bush or whoever, and then go trade Trey Turner for a buttload of prospects from any team you want, because there are 29 other teams that would like Trey Turner. Yeah. And apparently Trevor's story wasn't available at the deadline. So they, you know, teams looking for a shortstop could go get one. Yeah. We haven't even talked about that. Why Trevor's story wasn't dealt. That was bonkers but um i just don't understand and i would love to know more about this and like why the nationals did this i I mean i'm excited (laughs) get turner out of the east that's great get scherzer out of the east that's great i just don't know why you wouldn't just do separate deals it's not that hard you got to do a little bit more paperwork but whatever all right let's move on let's go uh, a little bit quickly through this one because it doesn't necessarily include a prospect but it's interesting and craig kimbrell goes from the Cubs to the White Sox, which I think you said they wouldn't do, right? They wouldn't go to crosstown rivals, um, but they did. Uh, and the White Sox gave up Nick Madrigal and Cody Hewer in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. So really interesting. Uh, again, kind of like we were saying with Lazardo and Spencer Howard, it's almost like the White Sox had given up on Madrigal and realized he kind of is what he is without a huge ceiling. But any quick, quick, quick thoughts on that deal? Yeah, I think it was a great get for for the Cubs, getting someone who could uh, be a key piece in their infield going forward, getting a solid reliever in Hewer um, for a year and or for half a year and potentially another whole year of a very expensive Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I didn't think the White Sox needed him given the way Liam Hendricks had been pitching, but uh, it's just going to make that pitching staff more electric in October, um, and, and really just kind of helps the Cubs uh, in the you know, future going forward with a couple of young guys. So 
you know, I thought it was a, a pretty good deal for both sides. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are the Cubs going to do with Kimbrel? That salary is such an albatross right now for them. Um, and then for the White Sox, if they can afford it, go for it because he's going to be dynamic, especially this year um, for that team. And but, you know, Nick Madrigal, he's probably going to be, you know, in that to line up for the Cubs for the next five years in some capacity. So can't beat that. Let's go on to the other blockbuster, which we've already sort of referenced here. Um, and that is the Jose Barrios trade where the uh, Blue Jays gave up Austin Martin, the second overall pick. Fifth. Uh, fifth. I'm sorry. Fifth. Um, sh- he could have been the second is what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, the, the second pro- – I think he was a number two prospect. Yeah, yeah. That's system. what I meant. That's what I, yeah, my there, brain there you was go. thinking but didn't say. Um, and then right-handed pitcher Simeon Woods Richardson. This was absolutely shocking because I think what happened as it was happening in real time um, was that we heard – Barrios was being traded and that Simeon Woods Richardson was part of the package. And we're like, oh, okay, that's that's pretty good. Obviously, there's going to be more coming back from Toronto, but that's a pretty good start. And then Austin Martin's name (laughs) was included. And that's where my jaw dropped to the floor because, again, Barrios, good pitcher, no doubt about it. Um, But this is all you need to know. Has posted a career best 3.48 ERA. This year. That's all I need to say. Yeah. That's his best year ever. And it's 3.48. And that's worth Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. And it's not like you get him for four years. You get him for a year and a half. I don't understand this. This is the reverse of what the Nationals and Dodgers trade was for me. The Blue Jays get an F and the Twins get an A++. Is that too extreme? Yeah, I think that's a little extreme. I mean, Barrios, like, yeah, you know, this is kind of his career best year with a three and a half ERA. But, I mean, he's kind of someone else who's always had electric stuff and, like, ace-level stuff and just hasn't really been able to put everything all together and be kind of consistent from start to start. Um, And perhaps that's something that that can change in the future with, you know, a little bit, you know, development-wise or preparing-wise or... Uh, whatever it is, perhaps the Blue Jays can get that out of him. I'm not sure on their uh, pitching development success over there, but you know if they can if they can find some consistency for him, this could end up being um, a, a, a solid get for them. Now, yes, the cost was very high, um, and, and the first returns I saw, it's like okay, yeah, it's Simeon Woods Richardson, and then Martin, and like like they didn't include the first name. I'm just like, which Martin? Like, is is there another Martin or is this Austin Martin? And then it was Austin Martin. I'm like, ooh, that's that's a huge deal for for Minnesota. I mean, they they got a great return, and they got someone, yeah, who could have been uh, the number one, number two overall pick. He went number five to the Blue Jays, and really, I don't think the Blue Jays had a home for him going forward. I mean, they got a pretty stacked infield at the big league level, mm-hmm. um, and they're pretty solid there in the outfield uh, when it comes to position players. So they didn't really need. Uh, him, although he is a great bat, I, I think they drafted him with the idea that he was going to be a trade chip for them and a pretty big trade chip uh, to help improve this team going forward. And they used him to get Jose Barrios. And, you know, they've needed pitching. They they, they need starting pitching this year for sure. Uh, so making or moving him uh, to get Barrios to help out this rotation for the next year and a half, you know, I, I think it makes some sense for them. So, you know, I'll give them maybe a C minus uh, for for the trade. I mean, they gave up a lot, um, but 
if they can get Barrios to what they're expecting him to be, uh, it, it can turn out to be a pretty solid trade, but definitely an A plus for the Twins. I mean, they were they were shooting for the moon when it came when it came to negotiations for him, and the Blue Jays gave him the moon. Yeah, if we were sitting here last week and somehow we're predicting Barrios to go to the Jays and we were doing our negotiations, and we looked at the Blue Jays list. I mean, I don't even think Martin would be brought up like that's how untouchable I thought he was and how he how untouchable he would be for me. Now, with all of that being said, what you're saying is 100 percent correct. It's definitely too extreme to give them an F because Austin Martin's ceiling isn't quite as high as maybe I'm I'm leading it on here to be. To me, he's just a sure thing to to make it as an above average player. Um, and I don't think that he's going to hit, you know, 30 home runs or steal 30 bases and his defense is suspect. But in terms of a sure thing, he is uh, he's really, really close to that for me. Um, so that's where I get a little bit, uh, you know, torn on. Is he really an elite prospect or is he not an elite prospect for me? A sure thing with uh, with his position versatility, even if he isn't great <laughs> at any of those positions, makes him an elite prospect for me and guy who I wouldn't even had on the table. Uh, and let's not forget Simeon Woods Richardson is his stock is down a little bit this year, but he was creeping up to top 100 lists last year. Um, and I think he's just kind of, you know, maybe he's working on something or something, but he's a, he's a great get as well. But like you said, the Twins absolutely have to get an A or an A-plus for this because their team isn't bad. Like, yes, they've had a horrific year, but they have a lot of young guys at that core that you're going to add these two. And now, maybe not next year, but the year after that, this team, this Twins team should be back really, really quickly into contention. Let's not forget they were first last year in that shortened season. So they have a lot of stuff there. It's just, you know, relying on Larnick and Kirilov a little bit too early. Might have been. Yeah, they need Buxton healthy. If Buxton was healthy all oh, season. Buxton, yeah. I don't think they sell. Yeah. Um, and so, there were rumors that they could potentially trade Buxton uh, at the deadline. That didn't come to fruition. Same thing with uh, Josh Donaldson. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it was, it was a tough year for them, but they can kind of reload here with this uh, Barrios deal. So, again, for me, this hinges on the fact that. I've seen Burrios now for four and a half years, five years, and he's just never, I, I love the stuff, great stuff, but it just hasn't materialized. And I don't know why it would suddenly, although he had a great debut for Toronto. I think, what did he go? Six innings, no runs, seven strikeouts. So maybe they unlocked it right away. But yeah. uh, I think your C minus is fair. I, I probably wouldn't give them an F. I would probably give them a D. But uh, yeah, great win for the, the, the twins, especially when you look at what the, Dodgers gave up for Turner. I just, I'd rather have this return than the other return. But anyway, let's move on. We can't harp on that all day. Um, another block. Then we're gonna, we're gonna kind of end here with the two other blockbusters. Um, Mets acquire shortstop Javier Baez and a right-handed pitcher Trevor Williams, plus cash from the Cubs in exchange for Pete Crow Armstrong, affectionately known as PCA over in the prospect world. Um, let's not forget Baez is a rental. So you're getting half of a year. Um, and let's not forget that PCA is injured for the entire year. Um, so this makes it a really complicated deal. And I don't know how to go about it. So I'll let you lead off and uh, give me your thoughts about this deal. Yeah. And so when we talked you know, earlier about you know, some of the Rangers deals, they went quantity over quality. 
The Cubs in this trade were going for quality over quantity. I mean, for a rental for Javi Baez and a and a pitcher in Trevor Williams, they maybe could have tried to get you know three to four um, or, or two to three, just kind of maybe mid level prospects. But instead, they just went for one uh, higher level prospect, 19th overall pick in the 2020 draft, PCA, um, a high school center fielder that the Mets totally have no history of giving up on one year after they trade uh, and working out horribly <laughs> oh, for them. That could um, be what happens, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's Talking we'll about see what happens. For people out there that are, don't get that reference, right? Yeah, yeah. I Jared mean, that's Kelnick. a reference that I feel like we should mention. Yeah. yeah, Jared Kelnick, they drafted him in the first round out of high school, center fielder, it's traded true. him after a year. And he turned into one of the best prospects in all of baseball um, as they traded him for Edwin Diaz and roided up Robbie Cano. Uh, so that was that was fantastic. Thanks, Brody Van Wagenen uh, from I'm not a Mariners fan, but from every singles from every single Mariners fan. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and now they're kind of doing the, the thing here with uh, Pete Crow Armstrong. So. We'll see how PCA turns out. As you mentioned, he's been hurt, um, had a shoulder surgery. Um, but, you know, he's a really talented young hitter. And he could be something for the Cubs uh, going forward. Whereas Baez was probably one of the more likely ones to leave uh, in free agency. So uh, they they got a pretty pretty solid pick for him. It was, it was certainly going to be much better than whatever they got in the for competitive uh, or for a yes. compensation pick uh, when Baez left him for agency. Cause that pick would be at the end of comp round B like that. That'd be in the seventies and they got the 19th overall pick from, from 2020. So it's, it's a solid return for the Cubs. They, they, they get an A for this. Uh, the Mets I'd give probably more of a C. Yeah. I don't know what to, I just can't make up my mind on what this is because I think Baez has really good, value in a real life baseball setting and yet he is super flawed in a lot of different ways and has been yes. flawed for his entire career it's not like it's just like this year so um and i i know Baez and lindor are like best friends that's fun great but uh, man pca he he's not one of those austin martin guys right where He's a, a sure thing to be an above average player, but that's perhaps about it. Like PCA has a ceiling of a top 10 outfielder in the big leagues. Like, let's be honest, yeah, five star like, potential or five like he, has, potential. he has it all. So um, just to see, like comparing this one, I, I, I don't know if it's fair or not, but to compare it to what the Yankees gave up for Gallo, I'd rather have PCA than all of those guys. If I was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I was making the team. So to get that for a rental, Pretty impressive and, and de definitely an A or an A minus worthy um, deal. And then for the Mets, I, I guess I'll, I'll agree with you in a C. Because, um, I again, I don't, the Mets are leading the division. This definitely makes them better. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it is a B. It's a You get a comp pick two for it. I mean, let's not forget that. <clears throat> That's going to be valuable if you're the Mets. So... Why didn't Trevor Story get traded? This this is all this trade really gets me thinking of. Yeah, I I don't know because uh, the Rockies front office is incompetent. Yeah. Uh, that, that's really the only the only explanation. I mean, both him and John Gray are rentals, free agents at the end of the year. The Rockies are not even close to competing in the NL West. 
and they're just like, oh, well, we didn't find anything that was, you know, worth more than the the, comp- the uh, compensation pick we're going to get at the end of the first round. It's like, really? You couldn't find anything slightly better than that? And, like, are you, are you really trusting your drafting and development system over, like, others right now, the way that you guys have drafted and developed in recent years? Like, I get that the, the guy who was running the draft is now the GM there, so that, that might be part of it. Um, but you know, is, is that a, is, is he going to be the long-term GM or are they going to be searching for someone else? You think they'd announce soon. It's like, Oh, Hey, we're going to be starting our search for, you know, full-time GM, someone who can take this place over, um, which is something that they should do. I I think they got to bring in someone from outside the organization, uh, to, to be the GM of that place, uh, and really just kind of turn it around because I mean, by not trading those guys, they really set themselves back in their rebuild slash non-rebuild slash whatever the hell it is that they're doing. Uh, I don't know what it is that they're doing. It, it's it's stupid. Would you rather have Baez or Trevor Story for half of a year? Story. Well, I, even though Story's having a down year, Javi Baez does not walk. He strikes out a whole bunch. Um, he's someone who I really don't think is going to age well as a free swinger like that. Um, I, I'd much rather have story. Well, yeah, I mean, long term, no doubt. I, I mean, but just for this half a year, I think it's still story. Yeah, for sure. So, Even though story's having a down year, I, I'd still, I'd still rather have him. And you could have got somebody like Pete Crow Armstrong or better, even. I mean, essentially better. Especially if you, I mean, why wouldn't you package Gray and Story for something? You could have got something amazing for that, but. They did not. Um, Let's move on because we are kind of pressed for time here. There's one last big one to go over. Um, This one's I'm actually now that I look at it, a little disappointed in the the Cubs for this, considering how well they did in some of their other trades. They gave up Chris Bryant in exchange for uh, to the Giants, I should say, in exchange for Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian. Um, This was definitely, you know, kind of a deadline deal. To be sure, I was kind of, like I said, disappointed in the Cubs that this is all they were able to get for Chris Bryant, who, in my opinion, uh, is more valuable than Javi Baez. Um, You get great defense at multiple positions, a more polished hitter, um, just a really good need that was filled for the Giants with him. Um, And they gave up Alexander Canario, who I'm, you know, is fine. I think he's good. Uh, I don't think he's anywhere close to a, a sure thing. And he has a lot of question marks that have not been answered yet. Um, and Caleb Killian's fine as well, but he's way down on that, that organization rankings. Um, so, you know, then you get a, the comp pick with the Giants when they, you know, they qualify. And, um, they they send the QO for for Chris Bryant. So I don't get this one. I think the Giants did fantastic here. I don't know if it's going to help them overcome the Dodgers and the Padres, even though they're ahead of those two teams. I still think that they're far less talented than those two teams. But man, Chris Bryant's a huge get um, and he didn't give up much. So to me, this is an A for the Giants and, and probably a, a C minus or D plus even for the Cubs. What do you think? Yeah, I, I certainly expected perhaps a little bit more. Uh, for Bryant, but I mean, this was kind of another thing. It's like, okay, what what can you get versus the the compensation pick? And th- this is probably uh, equivalent or better than what they could get for the compensation pick. I mean, out of that giant system, you know, Canario, he certainly wouldn't be the first guy that I asked for. 
Um, and I mean, likely that, you know, that he wasn't the first guy that the Cubs asked for either. Um, but, you know, if they could have, you know, tried to get, you know, someone like a, a Hunter Bishop maybe, or a, or a Seth Corey, or, um, you know, some of these other guys that, that are maybe a little bit higher up there um, in that, in that system uh, that, that could have uh, been solid, but, you know, they, they got to get what they can. I, I think they knew they had to move Bryant and it was getting down towards the end of the deadline and they still had him. He was the last guy remaining and they knew they didn't want to keep him around. I mean, Bryant was the guy that they kind of messed with service time with anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and they knew they just kind of had to completely dismantle it and send them all out. Um, and I think the Giants just kind of waited them out. And it's like, look, you're taking these guys or you're going to be stuck with Bryant for the rest of the year. And you'll you'll just be stuck with the compensation pick because at that point, most everyone else had their hitters. No one yeah. else was really kind of looking at Bryant, I don't think, or at least, you know, no one else that wasn't uh, teams that they preferred not to trade to. Um, I, I've seen uh, David Stearns of the Brewers say that, you know, their geographic location didn't help them on some negotiations. And it sounds like, you know, they were trying to talk to the Cubs about Bryant and Rizzo uh, and those guys to help out their team. And they didn't really seem interested in in, t- in sending a franchise cornerstone to their bitter rival. Uh, yeah. So it's like, well, you can send them to the Brewers or you could send them to us, you know. So mm-hmm. it's they, they were kind of stuck in a, a, a situation where they almost had to accept what the Giants were willing to offer. Yeah, and I think that the Cubs have viewed Chris Bryant very highly. Obviously, that's why they wanted to keep him as long as possible. And that they probably were asking for too much from these teams. And then it got down to the end. And it's like, well, we got to just take the best that we have on the table. And Canario was the best. And don't get me wrong. Canario does have a lot of intrigue. Um, There was a time where, you know, he was up there in the elite prospects for me as the Giants. And then he's just kind of slid down a little bit. He's kind of now definitely a a notch below the Matos and Luciano and Bishops for me. But there's potential there and you know, you, you probably had no choice at that point. So with that being said, I'll, I'll bump it up now to a C for the Cubs, but a great move by the giants being patient. It was definitely probably hard to be patient there. Once you saw what your Dodgers were doing and even what the Padres were doing and the fact that your lineup, I don't know how is gotten to where they're at and you have Duggar and rough and Lamont Wade. And these guys are, why you're in first, I guess. I don't know, but uh, the Giants. Yeah, and, yeah and, and they needed a response to to the Scherzer-Turner move, and Bryant is about as good of a response as, as they could yeah. ask for, and like they need not overpaying corners, yeah. and they didn't overpay for him, which is great. So, uh, well on the Giants there. They're, I mean, they're they're running their organization just about as good as anybody in the big leagues. Um, yeah, they're they're fantastic. Um, from our hands, eighty. Yeah, very, very impressive stuff there in the Giants. So uh, they'll probably win, you know, three World Series here in six years in the, in the future. And fantastic. The wife is a Giants fan, so it's not bad when the Giants are good. Life is good when uh, ah. when they're good. So I don't hate it. All right. We definitely extended beyond what I usually try to do for this podcast. My apologies. There's just so many trades to get through. You can blame Major League Baseball. We didn't even talk about some of the trades that went by, like uh, the um, – Eddie Rosario. Oh, no, we did talk about that. Uh, the Jorge Soler trade. You know, there's a bunch of other ones that we couldn't quite get to. But I tried to hit the ones that had the biggest prospects. So if we didn't mention a trade, um, let us know 
on Twitter, and we can get back to it next week with our analysis. But I think we got all the big ones, um, and that's going to do it for us. So, David, take it easy. Work on that list. I know you're you're just about done with it, so I'm excited to talk about your top 50 Brewers list. My top 50 Padres list is done. You can check it out on Prospects 1500. Um, it was not fun to edit it over and over again because the damn Padres trade everybody, but <laughs> please check it out. We'll talk about those probably next week. For now, Futures Focus, courtesy Prospects 1500. We are signing off. Have a wonderful week. We will see you next time.